Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at Alumni Hall. I was in store earlier this week, and I can tell you guys from firsthand experience, they've already got a ton of new gear on the shelves, and from talking to people who work there, they're getting more and more new stuff each and every day. So you don't want to miss out, guys. It goes fast. When, when the season's coming around, everybody wants to get their game day gear. Certain sizes go faster than others, so you don't want to wait till it's too late. You don't want to wait until your size is gone. Like you find the perfect shirt, you find the perfect gear, only to find out that your size is sold out. So don't let yourself fall into that trap. Get your Georgia game day gear today at alumnihall.com or in store inside the Epsbridge Shopping Center because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. But all right, guys, I am your host, Tyler, and I am flying solo once again today. This is wedding weekend for Curtis. He is already up there in Boone, North Carolina. I will be heading up tomorrow to take in all the weekend's festivities. It's going to be a blast. going to have a great time. But uh, of course, I got to get one more episode in before I head up there. Wedding or not, we've got a football season coming up here in a couple of weeks, so I'm not going to let you guys down. I've got a full episode for you guys today, and with fall camp kicking off today, actually, I wanted to give you guys a chance to get some questions in before things really kick into high gear, I guess, over the next week or two. And, of course, as is always the case, you guys answered the bell with a ton of awesome questions. And we've got a nice mix today. We've got some big picture stuff. We've got some team stuff, some fall camp depth chart questions, even a recruiting question or two. Got some big recruiting news coming down this weekend. So a little bit of everything, and I like that. I like the variety. And we'll get to all those questions here in just a moment, but very quickly, I just again want to say thank you to everyone who has supported our new YouTube channel. I just posted our second video a couple of days ago, and it's already gotten twice the number of views as our first video, which is great. Progress is a very good thing. I mean, obviously, if you checked out the videos, I'm I, I'm still getting the hang of this thing and doing the video stuff. It's still very new to me. I'm working on it. I've spent like the past two months really behind the scenes teaching myself how to do it. But of course, like every time I, I make one of these videos, I'm like, oh, what about this? What about that? So I'm always learning new things. I'm getting better at it. And my plan is by the time the season rolls around, it'll be a well-oiled machine. But I'm very happy with it. I'm having a great time doing it. And I've got some big plans for it, guys. I'm really excited about some of the things I'm going to be able to do with the YouTube channel that I can't really do here on the podcast. So again, thank you to everyone who's already subscribed, who's liking the videos, who's watching the videos. I cannot thank you guys enough. Thank you for that. And if you haven't checked it out yet, I know life is busy. I know you got things going on. But please, if you get a couple free minutes here or there, I would really appreciate it if you'd give it a shot, watch the videos. And uh, if you're so inclined, it'd be amazing if you would also subscribe, all those good things. Comments are always nice. All those things go a long way to help the podcast out. So thank you guys. appreciate it. But let's go ahead and transition into some football talk today. And I want to start off the top. You guys know these mailbag questions. We like the big picture questions off the top. And we got a great one today. Zach, who is a longtime friend of the podcast, always appreciates you, Zach. Zach has a great question. Do you feel better about this team going into this year than you did last year's team? Awesome question, Zach. And it's almost like you're getting inside my head, man, because this is a question that has been percolating in my mind for a couple of weeks now. Like I've been really kind of thinking about this off and on, kind of diving into it. And I've kind of gone back and forth on it. I will say off the cuff, at first glance, when I first started thinking about this a couple of weeks ago, my first inclination was to say, like, there's no way this team is going to be better than last year's team, right? I mean, that's a team that went 15-0. and a team that did something Nick Saban has never done at Alabama. So to say this team is going to be better than that team, like we're essentially just going ahead and saying like we're going to win that championship, right? Because we were really, really good last year. So just at first blush, I was kind of dismissive of like, nah, man, like that, that can't be right. 
But the more and more you dive into this roster, the more and more you think about who we have coming back and some of the some of the impact players that we have on this team and really some of the positions that we were very young at a year ago, but very talented, and now that talent is experienced talent, you start to peel back the layers and you start to think, maybe, like maybe this 2023 Georgia team could actually end up being better than the 2022 version. And here's how my mind works when considering this question. I know I'm a weirdo. I, I have a, a strange mind. So you guys might not think of it this way, but this is kind of just how my mind works, a little inside view into the mind of Tyler here. But what I'm trying to think about, okay, is the 2023 team being better than last year's team? I kind of go position by position and say, okay, where are we going to be better this year? So you start on the offensive line and I say, okay, well, offensive line, we have four out of five starters returning, right? Well, you the one guy you don't have coming back was a top 15 draft pick in the NFL draft. So you lose the best player on your offensive line, at least in terms of how they played last year. So can you be better when you lose the best player off the line? I think you actually can be. And hear me out. I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive. Hear me out on this. So we return four to five stars. I think it's reasonable to believe that those four returning starters will all logically take a natural step forward with another year in the system. Especially a guy like Xavier Truss, who was a starter for the first time in his career last year. Same thing with Tate Rattledge. You also have to remember about Tate Rattledge. This is a guy that early in the season, he was coming off a significant Liz Frank foot injury that cost him the entirety of the 2021 football season. And it took him almost to mid-season to kind of really round into shape and fully get over that foot injury. And then once that happened, you started to see that guy really turn it on. The light really came on for him. So I'm very excited about what Tate can do with a full year of, of off-season work without having to deal with the injury, without having to do the rehab and the recovery, just working, just getting better, getting stronger, getting those reps. And then having that full year of experience, I fully expect Tate Rattles to have an incredibly strong year. I think that Tate, and maybe it's a bit aggressive here, I think that he has first-round draft pick potential. I don't know if he will get to that, but I think that potential is in there if he can stay healthy and make that logical jump this year. We all know how valuable Cedric Van Pran is, and I, I got a little bit of pushback from some of you out there, and I, and I certainly appreciate the feedback. When Curtis and I did our top 10 players on the team episode a, a couple of weeks ago, and I had Cedric Van Pran a little lower on my list, and I think the average Georgia fan probably would, but my opinion is based off what I saw last year. Cedric is a really good player. He was really good for us last year. However, as I said on that episode, I don't think that he performed at a consistently elite level last year. I think he struggled at times to get to the second level. I think he lost his feet far too often. That's not something you really want to see out of your offensive lineman. It happens every now and then, you know, when, you, when you're working in traffic like that. But I felt like he had trouble staying on balance on a consistent basis. So I think there are some things that he can improve on. But he was still really, really good. And like Tate and like Xavier Trust, I fully expect with another year in the system that he he is going to take another step forward this year, and he could certainly become one of the better centers in college football. I think that's a very reasonable thing to expect from him this year. And of course, his leadership is invaluable. And then at right tackle, you throw in a guy like Amarius Mims, who I think is a clear upgrade from an overall talent and ceiling perspective over Warren McClendon. And no offense to Warren McClendon, he was a really solid player for us, but just physically speaking, he doesn't have that skill set. He doesn't have the athleticism, the strength. He doesn't have that combination the way that Amarius Mims does. Amarius Mims is a a potential future first-round draft pick. He has that type of physical profile. Now, will he put it all together on the field the way that a first-round draft pick needs to? That certainly remains to be seen, but I think it's, it's, again, certainly reasonable to think there's a very strong case to be made that he will indeed do that. So I think we're going to be better at right tackle. I think we're going to be better at center. I think that same guy who was there last year will be better. I think we're going to be better at both guards with those guys improving. And so the question comes down to, okay, what about left tackle? All right, now, I'm not going to tell you that Ernest Green or Austin Blasky is going to be better than Broderick Jones because they are not going to be. They're not going to be. Like, I, I think that Ernest Green is another guy that could, down the road, give him a year or two, grow into a first-round type draft pick. I think he has that kind of talent, but he's not there right now. I mean, it'll be his first year as a starter. He missed most of last year in terms of like even just practice time with a with a back surgery and that's I mean dude, that's that's a really hard thing to recover from. I know I keep coming back to that when we talk about him but I mean I've had back injuries in my in my past and I've had some back trouble knock on wood I don't, don't ever want to deal with that again I don't wish that on my worst enemy because it's it's just all consuming you can't do anything it, it impacts your life in a way that can make it kind of debilitating so I I'm just very 
hesitant to say, oh yeah, the back injury is just fully behind him. I hope that's the case. And I know he's on a lot of rehab and he's got great doctors and all that, but I just know those things can pop up. And it just, that kind of freaks me out a little bit behind the scenes. But from a talent perspective, let's not forget this guy was a highly rated guy coming out of California. And he was another guy last, last fall camp that was making almost an immediate wave. As soon as he got into camp, it was started to work out. Like this guy was like in, in the battle to be in the rotation as a true freshman on the offensive line in the SEC. So that should tell you the type of talent he has and how our coaches feel about his ability. But you just don't know, right? Because you haven't seen it out there on the field when he's coming back from this back injury. But I am very high on the long-term potential, and I think he's going to be a very good player for us if he can stay healthy. But even if, even if he does have some issues, Austin Blasky is a really good player. He's also really versatile. He can play tackle, which is where he worked at all spring. He's a guy that also, because he worked at guard you know, for his first couple of years here on campus, he can play guard. I think Blasky can even play center. He's worked at center for us at times. I also like the depth that we have behind the guards. I think that Dylan Fairchild's a guy that could certainly get some playing time. Micah Morris as well, another highly rated guy. I think if anything happens to the guards, again, knock on wood, don't want that to happen, but I think we're in good shape with the guys that we have behind them who might even find some meaningful snaps of their own at some point during the season. So I do think there's a chance if you take that, take that all in totality. I know you're losing Broderick Jones. That's we're, lo- we're losing that guy. That's a tough blow, but you return the other four starters, you have a, a couple guys behind them that are highly talented players that can fill in in a, in a moment's notice, and we're probably not going to miss that much. I think all four guys returning will, will take a pretty solid step forward this year. So I do think that all in all, like our offensive line will be at least as good as it was last year and potentially better. So I, I guess it at the very worst, I'm going to call that a draw to start off with. And then you look at the receiver position. Let's stay on offense. I think we are clearly 100% better at receiver this year. There's no question in my mind. And you know, I'm usually a pretty open guy. I'm, I'm very open to different opinions and different takes on things. But with this one, I'm really not even going to entertain anyone trying to suggest that we're not going to be better receiver. I think that's just crazy talk. I know that we lose A.D. Mitchell, but let's not forget A.D. Mitchell missed the entire year essentially with a sprained ankle. Yeah, he came back for the playoffs, but I mean, he went out in week two and basically missed the rest of the regular season, came back kind of ish healthy in the playoffs, and then now he's off to Texas. Really good player. A.D. Mitchell's awesome. I wish he was still on our team. I'm not saying he's not good. He's really good. But, you know, he wasn't really a part of our receiving room for the vast majority of last season. The guy that was our leading receiver, uh, I know obviously Brock Bowers caught more balls and, and went for more yards than anyone else on the team. But in terms of actual receivers, it was Lad McConkey. Lad McConkey is back. And Lad was banged up for most of last year. Guys, I don't think people really truly understand how little this guy was practicing last year. He was dealing with some pretty tough tendonitis in his knee basically all year. And I mean, we talked about a little on the show, like, hey guys, like he's not really like getting that many reps. Like he was there at practice, but he was not really doing all that much. From my understanding, what I've been told is that the knee's good. Like he's not dealing with tendonitis anymore. He's practicing full go. He's not sitting down, that kind of stuff. So that's good to hear. And if that continues through the season, I expect Ladd to be even better than he was last year. And then you add in a guy like Dominic Lovett who was the leading receiver at Missouri last year, an SEC team proven production, gives us some explosiveness from the slot that we've kind of been missing. I think that guy might very well end up being our leading receiver, not considering Brock Bowers here. I think Ladd and Dominic Lovett will kind of be in that conversation together. Wouldn't surprise me as either one of those guys. You throw in a guy like Ra Ra Thomas, who was the leading receiver at Mississippi State last year. Again, a proven producer in the SEC. And right now, I mean, he's vying to even be in the rotation because you got guys like Marcus Rosemey Jackson who've been in the program for a while, a truly selfless player that really fits our culture of going out there, being physical, blocking. Also, I think an underrated receiver. Dylan Bell, who filled in a lot for A.D. Mitchell last year, started five games, did some good things as a true freshman. Raleigh is trying to get into that rotation with those guys. And when you're talking about a guy that was the leading receiver at another SEC school last year, trying to get in the mix to even be in the rotation, we're not even talking about starting right now, your receiver room's in a really good spot. And I haven't even mentioned a guy like Arian Smith, who we really saw start to come on last year. We know this guy is oozing with physical ability. I truly don't think it's a stretch to say that he is maybe potentially the fastest player, not just on the team, but in the entire SEC, and maybe in the, even the entire country. I mean, we're talking about legitimate 
track level speed. We're talking about like 10 flat, 10 100 meter type stuff. The thing with Arian is, as we know, he's always been injured or been injured often throughout his career. That's kind of stunted his development. If he can stay healthy, which he did throughout the spring, he's only going to get better. I mean, his best football is still very, very much ahead of him. And that might happen this year. We might see a brand new Arian, the type of guy, a full complete receiver that we have not seen before. And that is a very scary thought. So again, I'm not even entertaining the opinion that we aren't going to be better receiver. We're absolutely, unequivocally going to be better at wide receiver this year. You look at running back. This is an interesting one. Uh, so we have most of that room coming back. The one exception, obviously, is Kenny McIntosh, who's already making a move with the Seattle Seahawks, drafted in the seventh round, which I still think is crazy. I know the 40 time wasn't great, but man, that's, just, that's overrated, dude. Let's just look at football speed. That dude's just a baller, and they're finding that out right now. So losing Kenny's tough, man, especially as a receiver out of the backfield. I mean... This guy caught 43 balls for over 500 yards last year from the running back position. That is unheard of in the Georgia offense. You just don't see that. And we don't have a guy with that particular unique skill set on this team right now. I think that is something that we're going to have to try to find. And we might not have a guy that can do it. I mean, there might not be a guy to find. And we might have to adjust our offense to kind of fit the town on hand. But he was such a viable weapon for us, not just in the passing game, the running game as well. He really came on the back half of the year as a runner, averaged 5.6 yards per carry, had 12 touchdowns total on the year. I mean, it's just a, he was a really good football player for us, elite I mean not in the vein of like Nick Chubb and Todd Gurley and Sony Michelle type elite but a really good running back in his own right so losing him is tough he was unquestionably our top running back last year but you return a guy like Kendall Milton who I mean we, we how many times do we say it? like we know guys gotta stay healthy right we understand that but when he has been healthy he has shown us the signs of being a really good SEC running back so I'm hopeful that he can stay healthy and if he can I think he could be a really good player for us. We know what we have with Dejan Edwards, just a really solid player, just a guy that makes plays, man. He makes plays when he gets opportunities too. He's not the biggest guy, not the strongest guy, not the fastest guy, but hey, man, he, he makes plays. I do think Branson Robinson is the most physically talented in terms of like the overall package of the entire running back room. It's uh, very unfortunate that he's not fully healthy to start fall camp, and I honestly don't know when he will get fully healthy. Now, assuming Branson does get back to full health, I think there actually is a, leg a legitimate shot that this running back room could end up ultimately being better. Like, I know it's like best case scenario, but if the best case scenario does end up happening, like Kendall Milton stays healthy, Branson Robinson gets back relatively quickly, and he gets up to speed up to 100% real quick, and he's that elite running back, five-star guy that we knew coming out of high school, and we saw flashes of last year, like against Auburn, had a big-time game against the against the Tigers at home. And then you throw in a guy like Roger Robinson coming in from California, who's a big-time back in his own right, a very different style running back than what we have. I, I like what he can give us, a, a, just a different change of pace there. And Andrew Paul, I think, is kind of a wild card. He was a guy in fall camp, kind of like Ernest Green last year, very early on in fall camp really started making a name for himself, was coming on, was earning a spot in the rotation. And from all accounts that I was I was told, what I was hearing, he was earning himself some carries. And very unfortunately, goes down with the ACL injury, misses the entire season, uh, was doing some things during the spring, but wasn't full go. He's going to start fall camp pretty much fully cleared with a, with a big brace on his knee. So I, I don't know what version of Andrew Paul that we're going to get. Curse and I talked about that earlier in the week. But just having him back, having him back as an option, that's a boost to our running back room. So I think if everyone stays healthy and like best case scenario, and you don't know if that's going to happen, but hey, hope springs eternal, right? I think this room actually can be better. Now, I don't know if we have anyone like Kenny McIntosh. Again, I don't think that we really do. But I think if you take this room in totality, the additions we throw in, like Roger Robinson, Andrew Paul now being healthy, Branson Robinson taking a step as a sophomore, hopefully being healthy enough to kind of be that feature back, Kendall Milton kind of sharing the load with him there, Dejan doing what Dejan does. I think this room, again, it's kind, of like the, it's kind of the offensive line. At the very least, it will be the equal of last year's running back room. And potentially, if we get the best case scenario, it could be better. Tight ends, I mean, Brock is awesome. Brock is the man. But I don't know if you can sit here and say the tight end room will be better without Darnell Washington. I mean, Darnell was such a key piece of what we did offensively, and we're going to have to adjust what we do offensively. I mean, it's kind of like when you lose a guy like Kenny McIntosh. You just don't have guys that can just fill that role automatically like those, those kind of guys aren't grown on trees like you they're rare right the guys that can catch the ball in the backfield like Kenny did guys that can block basically be or function as a third offensive tackle like Darnell Washington did we just have to change up some, some of the things that we did offensively so I don't I don't think I can sit here and tell you that we're going to be better at tight end now Brock's still here so it's like there's gonna be a, a major drop-off if there's a drop-off at all I think Oscar Delp's great 
We, we really like what we have in Law in Lawson Lucky. I think Pierce Sperling's gonna be really good. But as good as those guys are, they're not Darnell Washington. And they're not, I don't know if they're ready to be that kind of guy. So maybe a slight overall step back for the tight end room, but we're talking about very, very slight there. And then if you go to the defensive side of the ball, defensive line, I think you gotta say it's gonna take a step back, right? I don't I don't think it'll be significant because most of those guys do return. But when you lose a headliner, the likes of Jalen Carter. I mean, we don't have anyone that's ready to do that right now. I think Jordan Hall can maybe eventually grow into that guy. I don't think he's ready to be that guy in year one. He might show flashes of that, but not as he won't be as consistently dominant as Jalen Carter was last year when he was on the field. He's just not ready to do that at this point. Maybe maybe it'll surprise me. I just I don't expect that. I think Nas Stackhouse. You guys know how I feel about him. Was just vastly underrated last year. I think will be even better this year. Um, I mean, I'm really excited about a, a couple of guys on the interior and what they can do. But they're just not going to be Jalen Carter. I, I really like Warren Brinson as Curtis and I talked about. I think Christian Miller is going to be a, a really nice piece for us as well. I think Zion Lowe could have a, a nice solid year. I, I think he's shown us this point. He's not like a an elite player, but he's a good, solid player for us. And we are still going to have one of the best defensive lines in all of America. Like This is all relative, right? This is relative to Georgia's dominance on the defensive line. And compared to everyone else, like, yeah, we're still one of the best defensive lines in the country. I think Pro Football Focus, you know, they did their positional rankings over the past couple of weeks, and they had our defensive line ranked as the number one D-line in the country. I don't know if I fully agree with that because I don't think we're gonna be as good as we were last year but then you look at look at it across the country you're like okay well who's better you know I mean I don't know if there's a definitive team out there's like oh yeah they are definitively better than Georgia's defensive line so but that being the case doesn't mean that we're gonna be as good as long, along the defensive line as we were last year I don't think that we will uh, if you want to throw in Michael Williams though I mean I guess technically he is right I, mean, I guess I'm thinking interior defensive line but five tech is technically a defensive lineman in our in our defense so I think Michael could be in store for a massive season. I think, I mean, I don't think, I mean, well, this might be a stretch because guys on our team usually just don't get double-digit sacks. So I need to see it before I truly believe it. But I don't also, at the same time, don't think it's a crazy stretch to suggest that Michael could potentially contend for double-digit sacks this year if he takes the kind of steps that I think he could take as a sophomore. Now, he's got to get more consistent against the run which was what kind of hurt him a little bit last year and kept him off the field as the season progressed. He wasn't on the field as much in those standard down situations. But if he can just find a way to be on the field more consistently, not just like in third down pass rush situations, I think he's got a shot, man. I think I think that highly of him as a pass rusher. So, I mean, I, he's not Jalen Carter, but he's also really, really good. So, I, again, I don't think we're going to take a massive step back there, but I can't in good conscience sit here and tell you that we're going to lose Jalen Carter and be better this year along the defensive line. So let's give that to 2022. Linebackers, we're definitely going to be better this year. Uh, we have the two starters returning. I know Smiles banged up to start the season, but he'll be back relatively quick-ish. I really like what we have in Xavier Sword behind him. And that's the thing. That's why I say, like, we're definitely better at inside linebacker this year. The depth is just better. I mean, guys, no offense to Tresman Marshall. No offense to Ryan Davis. They, they were good dogs for us here. They worked hard, good teammates, and I appreciate everything that they did for our program. But... That there was a drop off. Let's just say that. Like there was a pretty noticeable drop off when we took Smile and Pop off the field and put in Tresman and Ryan. Like Ryan had to start a couple games because Smile got banged up about midway through the year, and he was fine. Like he was serviceable, good, solid player. But there's just a drop off, man. He's not the same kind of guy. Same thing with Tresman. Like he's just a good player, solid player, not that kind of guy. So when those guys transfer out, and then you're going to replace them. In the two deep of guys like Xavier Sori, former five star, or with a guy like EJ Lightsey, potentially, maybe one of these freshmen, whether it's Raylan Wilson, CJ Allen, Troy Bowles, Jalen Walker, who I am, and I am, and Kirby, I, I wanted to hear Kirby say it out loud, and he did in that opening press conference of fall camp. Jalen Walker, right now, is working in the inside linebacker room, and that's, I'm very excited to hear that because I think Jalen Walker has a chance to be a a big-time inside linebacker. I know we used him more as a pass rusher on third downs last year, but that guy is just so talented. And what he does for us is, like, from that linebacker position, he gives us the pass rush ability that guys like N'Kobe Dean and Channing Tindall and Quay Walker did. And as good as Smile and Pop are, they're really good. I don't think, at least last year, maybe they will be this year, maybe they'll get better at it. I don't think they were, like, elite pass rushers from that position. I think we took a step back there from the guys that we had in 2021 20, in because, of course, we did. Those guys were, like, awesome. I think Jalen Walker's closer to those guys than Pop and Smile are in terms of, like, pass rush ability. He's just an explosive linebacker, so I'm really excited about that. I think we're definitely better at inside linebacker. Now, outside linebacker, Jack, uh, 
this is a tough one. I mean, if you throw Nolan Smith in there, we're talking about a first-round draft pick. When you lose a guy like that, it's hard to say we're going to be better, but here's the thing. Like, Nolan missed half the year, right? So, like, what... At what point in the season are we talking about here? Are we talking about like the back half of the season without Nolan Smith? Because that back half of the season that without him, like <laughs> you guys know, Curtis and I made it very clear what we thought about that. Like we were we were fine, but it wasn't a strength. Let's say that. Like it, we had some serviceable guys. And then Robert Beal, Bobby Beal, man, just what what a great dog, man. Stuck around, could have transferred, didn't, quiet, worked hard behind the scenes, earned everything that the dude ever got. Just a, a great teammate, just a just the epitome of what we want in a Georgia football player. But we know athletically he was limited, right? I mean, he led the team in sacks in 21, but you know, last year, I mean, he's he, that was kind of like a, it was it was certainly misleading. He's not that kind of pass rusher, but a really good solid player. Chas Chandler struggled when he came when he first got to kind of fill in for Nolan. Got better as the season progressed. Both, uh, so he's back. Beal's gone. Obviously, here's what I would say with outside linebacker with Jack. We're, we're more talented, right? The, the influx of guys we brought in, the freshmen, they're super inexperienced. A guy like Marvin Jones Jr., former five-star, hopefully he can stay healthy this year, had the labrum surgery in the offseason. He's pretty much clear to go, ready to go in practice. So if he can stay healthy, like I, we've upgraded the talent in that room. Will we be better? That remains to be seen, but I'm, I I like the fact that we have more talent. You know, we're losing the experience in Robert Beal. And experience is great, but give me talent over experience all day long, especially at a position like that where I'm not going to say it's exclusively C-ball, get-ball, but there's a lot of C-ball, get-ball in that position. Now you got to be able to defend the runs at the edge and those kind of things, and that's where you just don't know Beal was good at that. But I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to give the edge to the 23 team. I just think there's enough talent in that room, there's enough options. Uh, Darius Smith's another guy that – a couple of those guys are going to rise to the top and give us more than what we got out of Beal and Chambliss the back half of last season. At corner, I know this sounds crazy because Keely Ringo got so much attention. It was a fourth-round draft pick. Good for him. Good player. I think we're going to be better at corner, guys. Um, hear me out on this. I really do. I think Kamari is going to be better than he was last year. I think Kamari got better as the season went on in his first year as a starter. I think he's ready for that light to like fully come on and be one of the better corners in the SEC. He's a preseason, all-SEC first-team guy. That doesn't always mean anything, but when you watched him play towards the end of last year, you kind of you get it, right? I think he's going to have a big year for us. And Keeley, as physically talented as he was... The production wasn't always there. Is that fair? I think that's fair to say. I'm not trying to kill the guy. Like we, we, all, we all know what we saw, right? And now whoever fills in for him, or whoever wins that spot, is going to be very inexperienced. But I also think there's a chance with the talent at that position of the guys vying for that spot, I think there's a very strong chance we could be better at that position. Whether it's Dalen Every, who I, who I projected to be, but Julio Humphrey is making a big move here. Dylan Green's still in the battle. From what I'm being told, it's it's really, right now, Humphrey and Everett who have really kind of taken that taken hold of that spot. And we'll see kind of how that how that plays out in the next couple weeks. I wouldn't like completely dismiss A.J. Harris, either the true freshman, really good player there. But those guys are all so talented. And I think ultimately, you know, there's going to be some bumps in the road early in the year with whoever wins that job. And the battle might go into the season. But, I mean, are they going to be that much worse than what Keely Ringo was? I mean, really. I mean, there's a reason that Keely Ringo dropped from what people were assuming to be a first-round draft pick when the season started, early season, all the way to the fourth round. The production just was not there. So, I think whoever fills in there can be, I mean, I know the experience thing, that's that's difficult. But talent-wise, I don't think there's going to be that much of a drop-off. I think Kamari becomes a better player. So, I think we, again, it's kind of like offensive line. At least as good but potentially better than we were last year. Safety, I think we're going to be better. And the big reason for that is Malachi Starks. Malachi made some wild plays for us last year, but he was a true freshman. There were some mistakes there. He did a lot of really good things, but that guy is going to take a big step forward this year. He's going to be a big-time player for us. He's going to be just a, be a much better version of himself this year. Javon Bullard, I mean, what needs to be said about this guy? This guy is just a, a freaking stud out there. I mean, I was well, I actually just wrote an, a piece on Dogs Daily about Javon Bullard today. He had a press conference uh, after the first day of fall camp. And God, that guy's so impressive, man. I mean, not just his play on the field, but just the maturity level, just to listen to that guy talk. I mean, th- talk about the kind of guy you want in our program. Like, that is the dude you want in your program. So to have him back, and I know he's transitioning from star to safety, but I think his skill set kind of fits that position more, as Curtis and I talked about. So I-, I love Chris Smith. And I mean, he was so good and so underrated for us. And I think he really got- kind of got the attention he deserved last year. And he's great, but I mean, are we really going to miss that much with Javon going back there? It, I don't think that we are, and I think Malachi is going to be better than he was last year, so give I give the 23 team a slight edge at star, or at safety. Now, star, uh, you're, you're moving Javon Bullard to safety, so it's tough to say, like, the guy that was 
the backup to Javon Bullard last year and Tyke Smith is going to be better than the guy that he was playing behind last year. I don't think that's the case. So I think we might take a slight step back at star, but here's here's the caveat. If Janelle Aguero is ready to, to be that guy early in the year, physically, the dude is a monster. It's just a matter of learning the system and just earning the coach's trust. And then that that there can be a steep learning curve. It's good that he was here for fall camp. That certainly helped our first spring practice. That certainly helps. Uh, I don't know how ready he is right now. We're, we're going to find that out. That's certainly a question I'm going to have throughout the course of fall camp. We'll be watching it very closely. I'm, I'm going to be asking a lot of people behind the scenes, like, hey, what's going on with Janelle? Because I know what kind of talent he is. And if he can get up to speed from a knowledge, understanding, comfort level standpoint, oh boy, um, as good as Javon Bullard was, I mean, physically he's not Janelle Aguero. I mean, Javon said it in his press conference that he was asked about Janelle. He's like, oh dude, he's just a physical freak. And that's exactly what Janelle Aguero is. So I don't know. I just, I can't sit here and say we're going to be better at star until I know that Janelle is ready to be that guy. With Ty, if it's Taiki, which I think it'll be at least the start of the season, I can't say they're going to be better there. So I give that edge to the 2022 team. But if you, if you put it all together, so what do we say? I think we will be at least as good on the offensive line, the running back room, and at cornerback. I think that we will be better at inside linebacker. I think that we will be slightly better at outside linebacker, at least based off what we saw the last, last half of the season after Nolan Smith went down. I think we'll be maybe slightly better at safety. I think that we will be clearly better at wide receiver. The only two spots I think we might take a slight step back are tight end overall. We know we have Brock, but overall without Darnell, maybe a slight step back there and maybe a slight step back along the defensive line. So that would seem to be advantage 2023 Georgia football team. But here's the last thing. I very conspicuously failed to mention one position, right? Quarterback. That's that's the big question. That's what it comes down to. What do we have in Carson Beck? And I think it's going to be Carson. I mean, I guess technically we don't know for sure, but I, I feel pretty confident right now saying it's going to be Carson Beck. Stetson Bennett was so good for us, man. I, I know there's still some haters out there, and if you're one of them, God bless you, man. I, if if you haven't been convinced yet, there's nothing I can say or do to convince you. You're just never going to be convinced. That's fine. But from where I'm sitting, my vantage point, my opinion here, Stetson Bennett was an absolute stud for us last year. He was a heck of a different player than he was in 2020, like a night and day different player than he was back then. He was better than he was in 2021. Like He was a legitimate star for us last year. He knew the system. He understood coverages. He knew how to go through progressions. He was accurate with the football. He was able to escape pressure and create plays with his legs. He was an all-around stud for us. And I do not believe that Carson Beck will be as good as Stetson Bennett was last year. I hope I'm wrong. And I could be wrong, but I don't expect that. For me, the question is, how close can Carson get to the production that Stetson provided for us last year. I don't think he'll be as productive. We know he's not going like, to be able to to move the way that Stetson did. So it's just a different style of play, a different quarterback. I think Carson's going to be really good. Don't get me wrong. I think I made that pretty clear throughout the offseason. I think Carson is going to be awesome for us. I think he will be really, really good. I just think Stetson was incredible for us last year. And I don't know if Carson's going to give us that level of production in his first year as a starter. I know he's been in the system for a long time, but I mean, the guy has never started a football game for us at the college level. He's never started a road game. He's never started a game at Auburn or in Knoxville. And I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. Like if Carson can give us anything like remotely approaching what Stetson gave us last year, then I think, yeah, I think the 2023 team will be better. I really do. But if if Carson's a long way from what Stetson was able to give us last year, then I would still probably give the edge to the 2022 team. Because I just think the quarterback position has become so important in the modern game. It really has. It is the most important position on the field. You can't do it alone, but it is by far the most important position on the field. And if you take a significant step back at that position, you might take steps forward at other spots. But if you take a big step back at that position... As a whole, your team is probably going to take a step back. But personally, I do not think that's the case. I don't think that Carson is going to end up being as good as and productive as Stetson was for us last year, but I also don't think the gap is going to be significant. I think he's going to be fairly close to it. If that is the case with the improvement that we're going to see all those positions that I mentioned earlier, I do think that by a very small margin, the 2023 team is going to be better than what we saw last year, which is God, that's scary to think, man. That's scary to think because we were a, a damn good football team a year ago. But all right, guys, we spent a long time on that question. I do want to get to uh, all the other questions that we have here on the show today. But before I do that, I have something very exciting to tell you guys. 
So with the season just a couple of weeks away, in very short order, you're going to start hearing a lot more about these early season lines. You're already starting to hear some about those, but you're going to hear more and more about them over the next couple of weeks. Well, we've got great news for you today, guys. MyBookie is back. Once again, MyBookie will be sponsoring the Glory UGA podcast throughout the course of the 2023 football season, and we could not be more excited. MyBookie is awesome, guys. I, you know, I, I like to, to lay a wager here and there, and I've tried a bunch of different sites. I've really tried just about every one of them. But as far as I'm concerned, for my money, like there's no question, MyBookie is the best sports book option out there. And you guys are in luck because MyBookie is, is doing you guys a solid. To open the season, they are running a promo deal right now where you guys can get a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000 if you are a new user by very simply using the code UGA when you sign up for a new account. I mean, hear me again, guys. A 50% deposit bonus match no strings attached there. 50%. Like you, If you deposit $1,000, they'll throw an extra $500 in there. In there. You got $1,500 to work with. And that's redeemable up to $1,000. And also includes, you know, if you like the casino stuff, it also includes a $10 casino chip to get you started there. So again, promo code UGA. Go ahead, guys. Jump on this while it lasts. It's not going to last all season. They'll be sponsoring us all season, but the promo code is not going to go all season. So jump on it while you can. Go ahead and do it right now, guys. Honestly, there's a ton of win totals out there. We're going to do our, our, our season picks here in a couple of weeks. We're going to give you some of our favorite win totals. We already did that early in the year with the SEC East. You can go back and listen to that episode. But there is money to be made on these win totals, guys. I mean, I honestly, I make more off of win total bets than I do just like betting spreads during the year because I spend all offseason breaking all these teams down and watching tape. So don't wait for week one. Go ahead and do it now. Get that money, get that bonus, and go ahead and start putting some of these win total bets down that, you can, that you're going to be able to cash in on. Because I know you guys know your stuff. You'll cash in on this at the end of the season. So again, that's promo code UGA at my mybookie.ag. All right, guys, let's get back to these questions. The next two questions here, I'm probably going to run through these pretty quick, but they are recruiting questions. And I know it seems kind of weird, like, dude, why are we talking recruiting when like the season is just around the corner? We got fall camp going on right now. Like, what are we doing? We can do recruiting later. Normally, I would agree with you, but um, we have some big commitments happening this weekend, and I don't know if they're going to commit to Georgia, but we are certainly in the final group for both these guys, and we do have a question about that from Hunter. I appreciate it, Hunter. Hunter asks, what are your final projections on the commitments coming up this weekend? So if you guys don't know who is coming this weekend, and you probably do, but just in case you've been busy and kind of out of the loop, we got two big ones. K.J. Bolden out of Buford High School, who's been to Georgia 16 different times that we know of, he will be committing at 7.30 p.m. on Saturday, August 5th. So I will be at Curtis's wedding while this is happening, so I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be that guy at around 7.25. I'm going to excuse myself and and um, complain of stomach issues, and I will go to the bathroom, and I will be in the bathroom as long as it takes to watch KJ Bolden commit. So yeah, I'm going to be that guy. I know I'm a terrible human being. I understand this, but I, I, this is a big one, so I, I got I to gotta know. I got I to gotta see this, right? So he's going to be committing, and then the following day on the 6th, on Sunday, Nate Frazier running back out of Matter Day in California he is going to be going public with his commitment as well. So those are the two big ones right now that are happening this weekend. Uh, so we know KJ Bolden, five-star guy, top 10 prospect nationally. Frazier is a fringe five-star guy, depending on what service you look at, but he is one of the top running backs in the country. So big-time player, man. You guys know I've talked about him. I think he's if he commits to us, we already had two really good backs on our commit list right now. With Chauncey Bowens and Dwight Phillips, I think Nate Frazier is just a, a level above them. They're both really good, but Frazier is the real deal, man. That dude is awesome. So let's go in order here. Let's start with Bolden. Uh, this one's gotten interesting over the past month or so. So if you would have asked me this question in like mid-June, I would have said like 90% Georgia because that was that's kind of where it was, you know? Again, visited us like 16 times. It's a really close relationship with Kirby Smart. We've been recruiting this guy for a long time. Now, we do know the issues that we've had with Gwinnett County prospects and really, really Buford guys as well, but Gwinnett County in general. So there's always that, like the curse of Gwinnett County, and I hope to God does not strike again, you know? It drives me crazy to no end that my native county is the county in the state that just 
has cursed us, seemingly. So that, that's crazy, man. It just drives me nuts. But hopefully we kind of, at least for one day, break that curse this weekend. But it's gotten close. So there's a bunch of schools that kind of got in on this. And of course, of course, they have. He's one of the top prospects in the country. He's a guy that can play receiver, can play DB. Just an awesome athlete. You, you want to have this kind of guy on your team. So Alabama's obviously kind of been in this commitment for the really the, the length of it. Ohio State made a move in late June. They got him on campus for an official visit and really made a move there. Some people thought at the time they took the lead. I never got that behind the scenes. But again, I'm I'm talking to Georgia guys. And so, I mean, you know, I will admit, oftentimes they're telling me things through like a Georgia lens because that's what they know. Um, they don't know what's going on with the other schools. So you got to take that with a grain of salt. But guys I know have always kind of felt good about it. Um, then Auburn has gotten in it of late. Uh, that's an NIL thing. And look, Hugh Freeze is a really good recruiter. I mean, he was a great recruiter at Ole Miss. Now he was paying guys then too, but he's still a good recruiter. And look, NIL is legal now. It's like, as I've said, you know, consistently, it's not like they're cheating. You're not cheating. It's, you know, it's, it is what it is. And some schools are willing to pay the high school guys a little bit more than others. And that's fine. It's part of the game now, right? It's, it's, it's their strategy. It's a tactic. And right now, Auburn is aligned, right? For a while, they weren't with Brian Harson, uh, but their boosters, their president, the coach now with Hugh Freeze are all aligned. That money's flowing and, and things are happening there and they're getting some big recruits they're doing well. And I, I fully expected Hugh Freeze to recruit well because again, he did at Ole Miss. So why would he not at Auburn? Especially now in the era of NIL when what he was doing at Ole Miss is now actually legal. So they are very much a player. You cannot discount them. He spent this past weekend at Auburn for their like big cat weekend, like their cookout weekend. And pretty much every team around the country was doing something like that because it was like this one last weekend. So we had a dead period from the end of June all the way to last weekend. And then there was like this one open weekend before fall camp kicks off and then like the entire month of August is another dead period. So he went to Auburn and, you know, they, of course, you know, made their pitch and had, he had some nice things to say. They're very much in it. Florida State is also a school that's really, really very much in this thing. He grew up pretty much a Florida State fan, from my understanding, and they were a latecomer to his recruitment. But like when they offered and they kind of started to really turn up the heat on him, he was certainly very receptive to that because, again, Big time Florida State fan growing up. So they've been a factor here. And like depending on who you listen to and who you trust, you hear buzz around all these different teams, including Georgia. Like we're it's not like we're out of this thing. But bottom line here, I'm not nearly as confident right now as I would have been if you asked me this question back in mid-June, because the people that I kind of get some information from, they're not as confident. They they still feel good about it. They feel like they are that we are the team. But, you know, sometimes all those guys hear is what the recruit tells them. And you just don't really know. But I'm going to go with my, this is more of a gut thing. I'm going to go with George here. Call me a homer. That's fine. I could very well be wrong here. I'm going to openly admit that. But here's why I'm predicting Georgia for KJ Bolden. Number one, we have been the constant. There are some teams that have come in lately. Ohio State, more recently Auburn, Florida State, kind of the Johnny-come-latelys, right? But we have been that constant. He has a better relationship with Kirby Smart than really any other head coach out there because it's a longer standing relationship. Ultimately, I think that does win out in the end. It doesn't hurt that Dylan Ryola is now at Buford. I don't think that's going to be the be-all, end-all. It's not a decisive factor, but it doesn't hurt. And I know NIL can be very, very enticing, but he's he's straight up said in a couple of different quotes, a couple of different interviews that, look, NIL is nice and all, but he knows that's a short-term thing. He's looking for the long-term payday, which of course is the NFL. And if you look at who's more equipped right now to give you to help you get that long-term payday. It's Georgia. Come on, look at the success that we've had in the NFL draft. So if you if you're if you mean what you say about not caring as much about the short-term NIL and you focus more on the long-term big payday in the NFL, Georgia is the answer. So you think about that, you add in the long-standing relationship, the fact that we've been the constant in the in the recruitment more so than any of these other schools. I know some of them have gotten some late momentum and that is somewhat concerning. But at the end of the day, I'm going to come back to the constant. And I'm going to go with Georgia here. Uh, people always want percentages. Uh, 55% right now, I'll go. 55% confidence level there. And then on Sunday to follow up KJ Bolden, we've got Nate Frazier out of California, Matter Day High School. Uh, man, this guy is, uh, God, he's so good, man. I really, really want this guy. He's ranked as the number one running back on a, on multiple sites. On three has him as the top as the number one running back, the top running back in the country, number fifteen overall, five star guy. Rivals has him as the number one running back. And you got two four seven sports that I think are way off here, uh, and maybe he's not the number one running back. Now I haven't seen all of them. The guys I've seen, like he's I think he's certainly in that conversation. Two four seven sports has him as the number ten running back in the country. That's crazy. That's wrong. That needs to be updated. 
but he's a great player, man. Anyway, you slice it in the in the on three industry rankings, he's the number two back when you factor in all the different rankings, number 45 in the country. I think he'd be a five-star guy before it's all said and done. I think that highly of him. But regardless of where his ring ends up, I don't care. The dude's a monster. Dude's a stud. I want him badly. And I feel very strong about where we sit with him right now. I am going to predict that he is going to commit to Georgia. I am much more confident in that prediction than I am in the prediction about Bolden committing to Georgia. And here's why. Number one, he was here on a multi-day unofficial visit in June. That was the same weekend that Chauncey Bowens committed. He flipped from Florida. And I'm telling you guys right now, I have it on very good authority. Nate Frazier was like, milliseconds away from pulling the trigger himself like he looked like he was about to ultimately did not people actually people there actually thought he did um but he he didn't exactly at least it says he didn't kind of whatever but that visit he was already interested in us and was was very high on us and that really put us in the driver's seat and it really hasn't changed since then we really haven't led up there del mcgee has recruited this guy extraordinarily hard been out to california multiple times to visit him I feel good. And here's here's the last thing I'll say. Here's my my last big reason here. All right. Just just follow me on this. I'm I'm reading some tea leaves here, all right? So he still has his official visit to Georgia left to make. He has that scheduled for the South Carolina game, I believe I remember correctly, but it's early in the season in September. I think it's the South Carolina game. He has not made a trip to Athens for an official visit. Now, he's been here on unofficial visits, which should be a sign in itself, coming all the way across country for a multi-day visit, paying for that out of his own pocket. That should be a sign in itself that he is very, very high on us. But riddle me this. Why would he be publicly committing to another school when he already has an official visit scheduled to Georgia in September that he has not taken yet, right? It would seem to me that if he was going to commit elsewhere, he would probably have canceled that visit would be how I would read into it. Now, maybe he's just playing games, right? Like That happens sometimes. These guys try to like throw you in the wrong direction, throw you off the scent, right? That could be happening here. Certainly, I'm aware of that. But I've seen this many times, guys. I follow recruiting very, very closely, and I have for a couple decades now at this point. And typically, when guys are about to commit, they cancel visits to other schools. Not always, not always. But usually that happens. That's a pretty strong sign of what's going to happen. So to me, the fact that he has not canceled that visit and has actually been open about him making that official visit to Georgia during the season in September, that is just the final nail on the coffin for me to lead me to believe that he is going to commit to Georgia. I don't want to say definitely, but if I'm 55% on Bolden, I'm like 85-ish percent on Frazier right now, which I'm pumped about, man, because again, the dude is a big-time player. And all right, one more question on the recruiting front. This one's from Bryson. Thank you, Bryson. Bryson asks, how much of a shot do you give the dogs of landing Williams Winery? Well, that's a great question because this is another big time five-star prospect. He's the number one overall player in the country on the on three rankings, like their individual rankings. In the industry rankings, he is a composite number three player overall, number one defensive lineman. He's out of Missouri. So he... We were trending heavily with him right before the dead period. So he cut his trip to Missouri, his official visit to Missouri short right before that, that last week before the dead period. And he came to Georgia. He has family in Georgia, came up to Athens that Saturday night. And so we kind of got that last little mini visit in before the dead period, which is great, man. I think that was an awesome sign. And we felt good. We were trending there. But over the course of the dead period, now dead period doesn't mean you can't talk to recruits. They just can't come on campus and you can't visit them face-to-face. You can talk to them. You can call them, text, whatever, all those kind of things. So communication, all this, obviously those lines of communication were still open. And it seems like in the intervening month or so since that last visit, Missouri has certainly gotten back into this thing. And depending on who you listen to, might or might not have taken the lead here. Oklahoma was also thought to be one of the the top contenders. He canceled a visit to Oklahoma this past weekend, uh, allegedly because of family discipline issues. So I don't, grounded is what I heard. So I don't know if that's for sure, but whatever reason, he didn't actually end up making the visit to Oklahoma. Does that mean Oklahoma's out of the picture? Not necessarily, but I don't really think they're the team. I think this is a two-team deal. I think it's Georgia or Missouri. Now, you might be asking, like, like what is what is there to choose between? It's Georgia, right? I mean, you're a defensive lineman. You, you have plans to go to the NFL. Like, you're going to Georgia, right? Like, you're, you want to be a first-round draft pick? You want to win national championships? Go to Georgia. Don't go to Missouri. Well, a couple reasons why we go to Missouri. Number one, home state school. That does matter to kids. You know, not, all, not every kid's built the same way, but some kids, it does matter a lot to. 
uh, families, you know, different families have different dynamics and, and his family might, might want him to stay close to home. That could factor into it. Number two, the state of Missouri, I don't know how many of you realize this, the state of Missouri has a unique NIL law. Not every state has this, but Missouri does. So the way that their NIL law is written, players that are from the state of Missouri and sign with a school in Missouri, in that state, can receive NIL payments while they're in high school. That is a very unique law. Most states don't have anything like that. Like an example would be Quinn Ewer. So the the reason Quinn Ewers, back when he was in high school, the reason he basically graduated early, decided to like leave high school early and enroll in Ohio State when he should have been a senior in high school is because they were, Ohio State was offering him a big NIL deal. And the, the way the NIL law in Texas was written is that if you were in high school, you were not allowed to receive NIL payments. So he wanted that money. It was on the table. So what did he do? He just left high school, went to Ohio State and got the money, right? And this is part of the problem with NIL. I mean, you've heard all, all the complaints from all these different stakeholders in college football. The problem is all these state laws are different and there's no uniformity. There's none. And so no one's playing on a level play on a level playing field. Like it's just, it's completely all over the place. So Missouri has a distinct advantage when they are recruiting in-state players. That is basically why they got Luther Burden. That was another example of a player that came down to Georgia and Missouri. And you're like, you're an elite five-star guy. What on earth are you thinking? I don't care if you're from Missouri. Why are you going to Missouri over Georgia? Are you insane? Well, he went to Missouri over Georgia because he was able to get payment NIL stuff while he was in high school. If he had gone to Georgia, that would not have been possible for him. So he would have been leaving money on the table. So I don't know. That really complicates things. I think if this was a decision about, okay, what's best for my NFL future? What's best for winning championships? I mean, we all know the answer is Georgia. But with NIL, it's it's not that easy anymore. Once upon a time, like three, four years ago, it was that easy. Now, not so much. So I don't know, man. Um, his commitment, he actually announced today that he will be committing on August 14th. Now, don't set that in stone because this guy's had like three or four different commitment dates. At one point, he was going to commit August 1st. I think August 7th was like at one point thrown around there. Now it's August 14th. We'll see if that sticks, but that's as of right now, that's the word. So that's a, a couple of weeks from now. I don't know. I think this is neck and neck, man. I really do. I think this is like a 50-50 thing, Georgia, Missouri. It's still a couple of weeks out. So there's plenty of time for this thing to change. So I really don't know. And I know that's not a good answer. I know that's not what you want me to tell you. So I'll give you something. I, I'll, I'll say that I still think that ultimately we end up landing him. I I, I want to give us like a 50.5% chance of landing him. Like the slightest of edges here right now. But I mean, Missouri could very well end up being the school because of the factor I laid out when it comes to NIL. All right, let's get back to some actual on the field 2023 questions. And we got one from Sam, our good friend, Sam. Always appreciate my man. Sam asks, assuming he's fully healthy all year, what is a reasonable amount of playing time to expect from Dan Jackson this season? I feel like he's kind of forgotten about. You know what, Sam? I agree. I really do agree with that. So I, I wrote another article this week for Dogs Daily and was talking about the secondary. And Dan Jackson was a part of that. I think he is kind of a forgotten guy because he missed, you know, a little bit more than half of last season, and we went on to win national championship, and it's like, oh, we didn't really miss that guy, but Dan's a really, really valuable player. He's not going to start for us. I think that's pretty clear to say. We know that, right? I think Dan has a legitimate shot to earn back that position in our third down package as, as our money defender, so that six DB, that, that extra DB we bring on the field in our dime package. I think he has a legitimate shot to be that guy again this year. He was that guy, before he got injured last year. And then David Daniel comes in, takes that job from him, and played really well. I think those two guys are kind of competing for that spot right now, in my opinion. I think David Daniel is a really talented player. Probably, I mean, I think that Dan Jackson is a really undervalued athlete. I think he's a far better athlete than people want to give him credit for. I do think David Daniel is probably a, a little bit of a better athlete. I think he's a little rangier, a little bit longer. But Dan's got the experiential edge, man, and, and that matters. I mean, this guy has started multiple games for us. I mean, multiple games in a national championship season back in 2021. The coaches trust him. They love him. The players love him. He's, again, a really underrated athlete. I think he will ultimately win that job coming out of fall camp. So I think Dan is going to play. We will see him on the field. I think he will have a role in our defense. I don't think he's going to start, but here's what I will say about Dan. I mean, you never like to talk about injuries, but God forbid it is. I mean, hey, it's football, man. It's contact sport. If somebody goes down at safety, 
which we don't want to see, but if it happens, you got Dan Jackson there, and that is one heck of a security blanket to have. So I think he's going to play things and have a role on third downs. And, you know, if we have a little bit of attrition at that position, it's you really could not be in much better shape than having a guy like Dan Jackson with all that starting experience and his athleticism back there to be able to fill in for those guys. So I, I think he's going to play Sam. I think he's going to be not there's no rotation at safety, but he's going to have a role on third downs and he's going to he's going to be a valuable player for us like he has been really his entire career here at Georgia. Next up, we got a question from Graham. I appreciate it, man. Graham asks, how likely is it that we'll actually see Brock line up at tailback this season? Oh man, I would say not likely, but also not impossible. We have had a lot of injuries at the running back position throughout the spring. Going into fall camp, we're not 100% healthy there, but we're far healthier than we were during the spring. So I think that helps. He did get carries at back in practice during the spring because we were just so banged up that spot and we were trying to relieve some of those guys and give them a rest because they were taking, I mean, guys like Roger Robinson and for the most of the spring, Branson Robinson were taking so many reps. And we're like, dude, like, we just can't kill these guys in spring practice. Let's get somebody else in there. So you just hand Brock the ball a couple times. We're not going like full contact, not tackling the ground. So it's not really like he's going to get killed back there. But he can do it, man. He played running back in high school. I mean, he well, a little bit of everything in high school. But he, he did play running back in high school. We've seen him be handed the football in our offense and carry the ball. Now, not exactly straight out of the backfield, um, like lined up at running back, more like in motion type thing. But he can do it. He has the skill set to do it. It wouldn't shock me. But I also don't think it's likely because again, if we say healthy, we just we have guys that are running backs that probably would be getting those carries. But hey, Mike Bobo, you know he, he's not one of those guys that is averse to throwing a little trick play here and there. So it's not out of the question. I just right now don't think it's likely. I think he's just so valuable at at tight end, and I, I think we, could, we might get him involved in the run game a couple of times like we had the past couple of years. But I don't know if it'll be like lined up actually as a running back if that makes sense. Oh, and here's a good question. Jack asked, what would Carson Beck have to do the next few weeks to lose his grip on QB1? Very good question, Jack. Like we said earlier, um, it's not a done deal that Carson is going to be the guy. He has not been officially in the starter. I think all signs point to him being the starter. Everything I've been told is that he is the guy right now. But there is a competition that is ongoing, right? And there is a possibility that something could happen that he could lose the job. What would that something be? I think it's pretty clear. I mean, if you go back to the spring and just listen to Kirby's pronouncements on the position and his musings and thoughts about what he's looking for at the quarterback position, it's very clear. If Carson, during practice, especially during scrimmages, which we really try to simulate games as close as we possibly can, you can't get fully, but you try to get close during those fall scrimmages. If he consistently makes poor decisions with the football and puts the ball in harm's way, that is what it will cause him to lose his grip. That's what it comes down to. Like when there was a moment during spring practice, like with what I think was maybe the first scrimmage where, you know, Kirby was not thrilled and there was some talk about, you know, hey, Brock's, gonna, Brock's getting more reps to the ones. Well, what happened was Carson was was trying to force the ball. Like he was trying to be Superman, right? Like he's trying to win the job. He's going out there and he's got a really good arm. He's trying to be a gunslinger and you got to rein that in. And he learned that. He got better with that as as spring went on. And he was good about that last year as well. He's just, you know, it's his shot to win a job. And he was trying to go out there and make plays. But I'd rather him do that in practice during spring than like in games. So as long as he doesn't revert back to that and start doing that kind of stuff on a consistent basis. I mean, every quarterback makes a mistake, but you just can't do that consistently. He should win this job. But if he starts to do that, that is what is going to open the door for a guy like Brock Vandegrift or even... Gunnar Stockton, who if those guys are consistently making good decisions and keeping the ball out of harm's way while Carson is consistently turning the ball over and, and creating problems for the offense and putting us in bad positions, that is what could potentially open the door for one of the other two guys. I just don't anticipate that's going to happen, but I think that's what it would ultimately end up having to take. All right, we've got a couple more here. Let's go to Scott. Thank you, Scott. Scott asks, who is the player that no one is talking about right now that you think will make an impact for Georgia this year. Man, there's a couple guys just off the top of my head. Can I give you a couple? I know you asked for one, so I'll try to give you one. Then I'll give you some honorable mentions. How about that? So one guy. Hmm. I'm going to take the question in the truest sense of the question, one player that I think no one is really talking about, and I'm going to go with defensive lineman Christian Miller. I'm really high on this guy. I've said it a couple times this offseason, going back to the spring. When he came out of high school out of Cedar Grove, he was a freshman last year, so he came. He was in last year's class. 
along with along with uh, Bear Alexander, not Cedar Grove. Bear Alexander's from Texas, but they were both in the same class. And Bear got most of like the headlines on the defensive line, but I I always thought that Christian Miller was just as good. A little bit of a different player, like not as big and thick, but I thought more explosive and more disruptive in high school. I just think he's got that skill set. I, and I made the comparison 30 times this offseason. I'll say it again if anyone's missed it. I think he's Tyler Clark. That's who I think he is. And it's not just because he wears the number, like just his build, his makeup physically, and his skill set. Like he's Tyler Clark. And let's remember, Tyler Clark was a really good player for us on the interior of our defensive line in the early years of the Kirby Smart era. And I, that's who I think that Christian Miller is. And now he played some at the Zero Tech Nose during the spring, which I was somewhat surprised to see. I think he's more of a three-tech guy, but he's a little bit of a change of pace there. And maybe you could use him there situationally in certain, in certain downs and distances. But I just think the guy is really athletic. He redshirted last year, didn't really play a lot, but he learned. He needed that. He needed to learn. He needed to grow. He needed to look a little bit stronger and bigger and just work on the physicality. But he he's a guy that's got some explosiveness, man. He's got some twitch on the interior. He's not Jalen Carter, but in terms of like who do we, who we have on the defensive line this year, you're looking at, okay, which of those guys has the, the potential to be the most explosive interior guy? Who's got the most twitch? I think it's probably Christian Miller. And maybe I mean Warren Brinson would be the other one. So be Warren Brinson and Christian Miller, but people know who Warren Brinson is. He played a lot for us last year. Christian Miller's a guy I think is going to play for us this year. I think he'll play more than the average fan thinks. I think the average fan will know his name by the end of the year. And I think he's gonna make a lot of plays for us. I think he's gonna be a really key piece for us on the interior of that defensive line. I think he's got some versatility, and I think he's gonna be a big time player for us. And I think yeah, he might be a star this year. I think he could grow into a star by the time his career is over. I really believe that. I think he's going to be a really good player for us. So I'll go him because I don't think anyone's really talking about that guy. Uh, the honorable mentions I was thinking of, Dylan Bell. Uh, the reason I didn't go with Dylan is I don't like people know about him. I think he's being talked about more than a guy like Christian Miller. I just don't think Dylan's getting near enough attention coming into the year. I don't think the average Georgia fan out there understands how much the coaching staff likes Dylan Bell. They love this guy. And it's it's certainly something to do with his skill set, for sure. But more than anything, it's just how he's built. You know, like his makeup, like his mental makeup. He's just a tough dude. Like he is a Georgia player. Like he is what we want in our program. Like I said that about Javon Bullard earlier in the year. He's like that on the offensive side of the ball. He's selfless. He goes out and blocks. He's physical, can make plays. I think he's an underrated receiver. We saw some signs of that last year. Uh, he's in the, in the thick to be a starter this year. I don't know how that'll play out. He's battling that out really with Marcus Rosemey, Jackson, and Rara Thomas at the X to open the season. He's in the thick of that, though, and it wouldn't shock me if he is the one who ends up starting the season there. Either way, he's going to play a lot for us this year, but uh, I think people talk about him a little bit more than maybe Christian Miller, so that's why he didn't get my nod there. But I still don't think he gets near enough attention. I don't think he gets the attention that he merits. Okay, final question here today. Then I got to get out of here. Got to do some final packing for the wedding this weekend. Got a question from Ethan. Thank you, Ethan. Appreciate it, man. This is going to end things on today. He says, there always seems to be one, and I remember you nailed it on Bowers a few years ago, so call your shot this year. Which 2023 recruit do you think makes the earliest impact this season? First off, thank you, Ethan, for the kind words. I appreciate it, man. I mean, I, I get some right. I get some wrong. It's what happens when you do a podcast. I got that one right, so thank you for, for bringing that up. I appreciate it. All right, call my shot this year. All right, so I said Bowers two years ago. Last year, I was all over Michael Williams. For me, it was Michael Williams and Malachi Starks, one of the two. Starks ended up having more of an impact. He started pretty much the entire year, so I, I don't know if I nailed that one, but got close enough there. Uh, this year, I'm going to call my shot right now, man. I love Jordan Hall. I'm really high on Jordan Hall, but... He's an he's a defensive lineman and he's a big, strong, physical guy. Like he's he's pretty physically there to, to be able to make an impact this year. But you guys know what I say about freshmen on on the lines of scrimmage in the SEC. Like it's it's not impossible. It happens from time to time, but it's still pretty rare. And I don't think you can count on that. I think it's far easier for a guy to make an impact as a freshman at the skill positions. Because you're relying it's not as so much about physicality necessarily as it is about physical ability, like skill set wise, like athleticism. And so that can kind of shine a little bit earlier. That's why you see more running backs or receivers make impacts as true fresh and usually than like people in the trenches because it's it's not as physical of, of a position, right? So the guy I'm going to go with is a guy I mentioned a little bit earlier. I'm going to go back to him. Janelle Aguero. Uh, I think the world of this guy. I think 
He is a perfect fit for the star position. He's got the athleticism that you need to be able to cover speedy slot receivers um, to tight ends as well, obviously. But he's also got the size and physicality to be able to insert into the box as a run defender. And that is a key element of playing the star position. It is such a critical piece in our defense. That's why I was kind of hesitant in the spring when I found out that Javon was moving to safety. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a really important spot in our defense. And this guy is awesome at it. And we're moving him? Like, I don't know. Like, you better be confident who you got who you got behind him. And I know we like Tyke Smith, and he's got some experience, and he's a veteran now. And I am confident in Tyke Smith. If he ends up holding off Janelle Aguero, that means Tyke is really good because I think Janelle is awesome. The thing with Aguero is this. He is physically, unquestionably more talented than Tyke Smith. Like, that's that's not even a question. That's not, that's, that, that is just, is what it is. The question becomes for him, how quickly can he get up to speed How quickly can he accelerate his learning process? How quickly can he earn the trust of the coaching staff? If he can do that, he will take that job before the season's over. Because physically, Tyke Smith cannot match him. He is like the prototype for that spot. He is what Kirby Smart wants at that position. And he's just, he's physical, he's fast, he's athletic. Like Javon Bullard said in his press conference, he is a physical freak. That is how you describe him. That is the perfect way to describe Janelle Aguero. And I saw some really good things from him at, at the uh, spring game at G-Day. Now, it's obviously an isolated setting, but hey, that's all we have to work off of. But it also kind of matched what I was hearing about him behind the scenes all spring long. So I am very, very high on him. I loved his high school tape. He's a five-star guy. I mean, he's got everything it takes to make an impact this season. But you have a, you have a veteran in front of you. It's kind of his turn, right? I think he, I'm pretty confident that Tyke will start the season as the starter, but I think Janelle is going to have a legitimate shot to take that spot before it's all said and done. I think that he will play. I think there will be somewhat of a rotation there. I don't know exactly what it will look like. It depends on how much Janelle progresses throughout fall camp. But I think that he will play meaningful snaps early in the season, especially when you consider who we have the first couple of weeks of the season, three out of the first four games against these G5 or FCS teams. He's going to play. And if he responds well and continues to grow during those games, that is going to allow him to eat more and more into Tyke's missed playing time to the point that I think there's a shot. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but a shot that he ends up starting by the, by the end of the year. But yeah, I'm calling my shot with Janelle Aguero. I think of all the freshmen, we have a bunch of good ones. I think he's the one that's going to make the biggest impact, uh, ba- partly based on talent, also based on opportunity, because you have to have that too. It has to, there has to be opportunity. I mean, I think Raylan Wilson, CJ Allen, those guys are awesome inside linebacker, but you got two studs in front of them that they're not going to start over smile and and pop they're just not going to I think you also can see one of the outside linebackers whether it's it's Samuel and Pimba Damon Wilson maybe even Gabriel Harris like all three of those guys are awesome it's just again like that's kind of in the trenches more so in the trenches than, than playing out in space at the star position and there's three of those guys I think they all could equally end up earning playing time so I just don't know how that's gonna look so I think they could be the answer I'm still gonna go with Janelle Aguero one more honorable mention here Yazid Haynes, remember the name, receiver, coaches love him, dude is a dynamic threat with the ball in his hands, just knows how to get open, that guy, I don't know, like we have a lot of good receivers in front of him right now, so I don't know how much time he will see as a freshman, but I do think he'll play a little bit for us, especially as the season goes on, I think he will make some plays for us this year, and I don't know if it'll be this year, but I think, you know, as early as next year, that guy might be one of the best receivers on the entire team, so just put him in your in your back pocket for, for a little bit later in the season, but uh, all right, guys. I got to get out of here. I got to wait to go to tomorrow. I got to finish packing. I appreciate you guys for being here. Thank you again for supporting the podcast, for supporting the new YouTube channel. I cannot thank you guys enough. I'm going to be working on a new video while I'm traveling to Boone this weekend. And I'm hopefully going to be able to record that when I get back either Sunday or Monday and have that for you guys early next week. But have a fantastic weekend and I'll be back with you guys next week. So thank you. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.